0: Hello, listeners. This week, The Australian launches its first daily news podcast. It's called The Front. Now, with a new episode published every day for you when you wake up, The Front takes you through each day's essential page one stories. Our journalists can take on the issues that matter and behind the scenes inside from our newsrooms. Right now, we're going to play today's episode of The Front for you. It's with John Stensold, who's the editor of The Rich 250, and host Claire Harvey. They're talking about the boundless ambition of pub baron Justin Hems. Search for The Front by typing the words The Front wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Friday, March 25. China is moving closer to setting up a military base in the Pacific. With the revelation today, the Solomon Islands has agreed to allow Chinese armed police and military personnel to be based in the Solomons. Editor Michelle Gunn joins me shortly to talk about that. Federal Minister and ex-soldier Andrew Hastie has given explosive evidence against Victoria Cross winner Ben Robert Smith, telling a court he heard Robert Smith talk about killing Afghans in brutal terms. Robert Smith has denied allegations of war crimes and assault. Up first, there's just one openly gay man in elite football in Australia. It's Josh Cavallo, a 22-year-old midfielder with A-League soccer side Adelaide United. Cavallo reveals his full story today. Journalist Roy Eccleston has today's very moving story about Josh Cavallo, and he joins me now. Roy, what made Josh take this step?
0: So Josh had had enough. He recognised from about 16 that he liked boys, not girls, and he didn't really know how to deal with that, but he didn't feel it was something that, was compatible with being a professional soccer player. And so he kept it a secret and it just kept on playing on his mind uh, and uh, was affecting his game in his own view, making him someone who couldn't trust his teammates because he felt that if he told them the truth, they wouldn't want to play with him and that his career would be ruined. So, you know, it was, um, I guess, making him paranoid and... uh, got to a point where he really had a choice. He could either continue to live this lie and go mad or, um, or, or come out, whatever the consequences, and tell his truth and see what happened.
1: Josh Cavallo has been welcomed and celebrated around the world for his courage, but why in 2022 is this still so hard for male athletes in particular?
0: Well, I think uh, it, it's hard because uh, they're worried about how people, uh, their, their fellow players will react to having someone who is gay in the dressing room. Uh, They worry about how they'd be judged. Some of them would worry, I guess, about how the crowds would react to them. I think it's a bloke thing. For Josh, he he finally found someone who was a role model. They had been a top-level player and they had come out after they had finished their careers. And he managed to make contact with that person and so realised he wasn't alone.
1: Some of Australia's best-loved female athletes are out and proud. Sam Kerr, Alex Blackwell, Sam Stozer. You spoke to Moya Dodd, one of the most senior people in world soccer, on the board of FIFA, a former Matilda. What did she say about why female elite athletes are out in such greater numbers?
0: Her, you know, theory, I suppose, was interesting, that women... um had never been welcome in soccer. And so you needed to be a little bit sort of radical and who cares, you know, I'll do things my way. And so what you found with soccer was a lot of gay women felt it was a safe place for them.
1: Josh Cavallo says in your story he wants to be the role model he never had. But it's a huge burden to carry, isn't it?
0: When you're a young player trying to make a game in soccer, it's a very hard gig. And he actually has uh, been not having the season he had last year with the club. It's tough to do that, but then on top of that, be prepared to be a role model for, for gay sportsmen. That's pretty gutsy.
1: Josh's fears have come true to an extent, haven't they?
0: It didn't take very long after Josh came out. for he, he Adelaide had a game against Melbourne Victory earlier in this year and there was a, some abuse and death threats. It is tough uh, for someone to look at Josh's experience and it'll be interesting to see how it goes as to whether other people follow suit or not. If you look around the major sports in Australia, you you wouldn't find very many people who are out like that.
1: Roy Eccleston is a writer with The Australian. China's ambitions in the Pacific are stepping up, with The Australian revealing today a new deal for Chinese military personnel and armed police to be based in the Solomon Islands. Michelle Gunn is editor of The Australian and she joins me now. Michelle, why is this story so significant?
2: This story represents quite an alarming development. You know, we are used to seeing China flex its economic muscle in the Pacific, providing infrastructure, building hospitals, making loans that we know our Pacific neighbours can never repay. That's one thing. It's quite another to form agreements that could conceivably allow Chinese military to be based in Pacific countries.
1: Yeah, it's a big step up, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's concerning and I think it reinforces a feeling that the world is a pretty dangerous place right now. We've been watching, of course, in Russia, Putin flexing his autocratic muscles and uh, obviously there are some concerns about President Xi and the South China Sea, for example. I think national security is on people's minds more than ever and I think it will play a major part of the upcoming national election campaign.
1: Is this something that you you think we're going to he- be hearing more about from Scott Morrison?
2: Yes, I do. I think Scott Morrison has the advantage here, and that's somewhat surprising. Scott Morrison was a foreign policy novice when he came to power, but he has uh, a strong record in recent years of standing up to Beijing, and I think you'll see him seek to capitalise on that in the weeks ahead. One of his lines this week was to question Anthony Albanese's capacity and willingness to stand up to bullies, and I think we'll see much more of that moving forward.
1: Michelle Gunn is editor of The Australian. Australia's Richest 250 is the biggest annual study of Australia's wealthiest individuals and living philanthropists. It's out today, and joining me is list editor, John Stenzolt. John, you've led with a profile of Justin Hemmers, not the richest person in Australia, but he's perhaps one of the most interesting. Why did you choose him?
3: Well, he's very photogenic for a start, no, He is one of the most interesting people on the list for sure. Uh, look, you know, he's been such a successful person in his own hometown in Sydney he could just rest on his laurels, I suppose, and just keep making money for the rest of his career. But he's expanding. He's going to Victoria. Like all these people in Melbourne are going to be uh, aware of the Justin Hem's phenomenon when it comes to hospitality. Sometime soon, you know, he wants to keep moving. He wants to keep growing. He's probably bought every second pub in Sydney. It feels like. So why not go elsewhere?
1: Merivale's a family business begun in the fifties by Hem's parents. And now it's an empire, and Justin's worth one point three one billion, as you've revealed today. And he's voraciously expanding all the time. John, where's the line between economies of scale and spreading yourself too thin? Oh, there
3: always is a business, right? But I guess when you're buying a pub at the moment, it's such a hot market for pubs. So there is economies of scale in the the background, obviously, you know, with the, the food you're buying and, you know, the services you're providing, but the values of those assets keeps growing up as well. So he's buying one of the hottest things in property. Now, obviously, you know, the, the the prices are inflated, but if you think about a pub, they're not very easily replicable. So they're in really good locations. They've been there for probably a hundred years. They've stood the test of time. If you do them up, you get more people through, through the gate. If you ever run into any issues, well, you've got property in a great location. You could probably just turn them into apartments and make a lot more money that way.
1: John, the richest 250 is a great way to see what's happening in the economy. The billionaires are the personification of these bigger trends, aren't they? And so what's happened in hospitality since the pandemic?
3: Hospitality, I mean, obviously the demand for dining is really there. So every time there's a lockdown, you know, the, the, the operating businesses suffer. And every time that the doors open again, there's this huge, you know, surge of people wanting to get out again. Justin actually in our story talks about uh, dancing. So it's one of his measures of success, having a look at the dance floor at one of his venues. Everyone's out in the dance floor, which shows you that, you know, people want that human interaction. So he's tapping into that. Yeah, the, the underlying businesses have suffered. But, uh, you know, the property piece of it has actually gone really, really well.
1: What else is the list telling us about the economy? Well,
3: it's telling us that mining is still holding up pretty well, so that traditional industry. But what it's telling us also is that the Australian technology scene is really, really emerging. We've got more people in technology than we've ever had on the list before. It's second behind only property now. So property is such a traditional, you know, Australian um, obsession. But our tech scene is really becoming world class. We've got more tech billionaires than ever. And We've got more of these tech unicorns than we've ever had before. The tech entrepreneurs, you know, they're seeing the Mike Cannon Brooks and the Scott Farquhar's Atlassian and aspiring to be like that.
1: And have you got a prediction for who'll be moving up and down the list in the coming year?
3: Well, it all depends on what happens with the market overseas. And, uh, you know, the, the, the tech boom in America is coming off. We're seeing that, you know, come off in valuation. So, but there are so many good entrepreneurs out there that will still raise a lot of money. I think the tech scene will hold up. Um, I think uh, property, though, let's let's just wait and see. You know, there's, there's still a bit of a reckoning to come, you know, in the CBDs and so on. People might want to get out and go eating I'm not sure they want to get out and go to the office, though.
1: John Stenzolt is editor of The List, Australia's richest 250. It's out today. Next week, the Federal Budget. We'll be back on Monday with everything you need to know before the big day and what it all means for our wallets, our jobs, our families and our mortgages. All those stories, plus the nation's best coverage of news, business, sport, politics and culture are at theaustralian.com. Dot .a.u